Section 7 of Letters of Jonathan Oldstyle, Gentlemen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Letters of Jonathan Oldstyle, Gentlemen, by Washington Irving. Letter 7. Sir, I had just put on my spectacles and mended my pen to give you an account of a visit I made some time since with friend Quaz and my sister Dorothy to a ball when I was interrupted by the following letter from the former. My friend Quaz, who is what the world calls a knowing man, is extremely fond of giving his opinion in every affair. He displays in this epistle more than usual knowledge of his subject and seems to exert all his argumentative talents to enforce the importance of his advice. I give you his letter without further comment, and shall postpone my description of the ball to another opportunity. To Jonathan Oldstyle, gentlemen, my dear friend, I once more address you on a subject that I fear will be found irksome, and may chafe that test of disposition, forgive my freedom, with which you are afflicted exert however the good humour of which at bottom i know you have a plentiful stock and hear me patiently through it is the anxious fear i entertain of your sinking into the gloomy abyss of criticism on the brink of which you are at present tottering that urges me to write i would set before you the rights and wrongs of an actor and by painting in strong colours the peculiarity of his situation call your good sense into action the world, my friend Oldstyle, has ever been prone to consider the theatrical profession in a degraded point of view. What first gave rise to this opinion I am at loss to conceive, but I consider it as the relic of one of those ancient prejudices which the good sense of the world is daily discarding, and I flatter myself it will in a little time be totally exploded. Why the actor should be considered inferior in point of respectability to the poet the painter or any other person who exerts his talents in delineating character or in exhibiting the various operations of the human mind i cannot imagine i know you friend old style to be a man of too liberal sentiments not to be superior to these little prejudices and also one who regards an actor provided his private character be good with equal respect as the member of any other profession yet you are not quite aware of the important privileges solely attached to the dramatic performer. These I will endeavor to point out. The works of a poet or painter you may freely criticize. Nay, they offer them for that purpose. They listen attentively to your observations and profit by your censures. But beware how you exercise such conduct towards an actor. He needs no instruction his own impartial judgment is sufficient to detect and amend all his imperfections attempt to correct his errors and you ruin him at once he'll starve to spite you he is like a decayed substance that crumbles at the touch no sir when an actor is on the stage he is in his own house it is his castle he then has you in his power he may there bore you with his buffoonery or insult you with his pointed remarks with perfect impunity you my friend who are rather apt to be dissatisfied may call it hard treatment to be thus annoyed and yet compensate the annoyer for his trouble 
you may say that as you pay an equivalent for your amusement you should have the liberty of directing the actor in his attempts and as the chinese does his ear tickler tell him when his instrument offends and how he overdoes himself in the operation this is an egregious mistake you are obliged to him for his condescension in exerting his talents for your instruction and as to your money why he only takes it to lessen in part the weight of your obligation an actor is as i before observed competent to judge of his own abilities he may undertake whatever character he pleases tragedy comedy or pantomime however ill adapted his audience may think him to sustain it he may rant and roar and wink and grin and fret and fume his hour upon the stage and who shall say nay he is paid by the manager for using his lungs and limbs and the more he exerts them the better does he fulfil the engagement and the harder does he work for his living and who shall deprive him of his hard-earned bread how many an honest lazy genius has been flogged by these unfeeling critics into a cultivation of his talents and attention to his profession how have they doomed him to hard study and unremitting exertion how have they prejudiced the public mind so that what might once have put an audience in convulsions of laughter now excites nothing but a slight pattering of the hands of the little shavers who are rewarded with seats in the gallery for their trouble in keeping the boxes oh mr oldstyle it cuts me to the soul to see a poor actor stamp and storm and slap his forehead his breast his pocket holes all in vain to see him throw himself in some attitude of distraction or despair and there wait in fruitless expectation the applauses of his friends in the gallery in such cases i always take care and clap him myself to enable him to quit his posture and resume his part with credit you was much irritated the other evening at what you termed an ungenerous and unmanly attempt to bring forward an ancient maiden in a ridiculous point of view but i don't see why that should be a matter of complaint has it not been done time out of mind is it not sanctioned by daily custom in private life is not the character of aunt tabitha in the farce the same we have laughed at in hundreds of dramatic pieces since then the author has but travelled in the same beaten track of character so many have trod before him i see not why he should be blamed as severely as if he had all the guilt of originality upon his shoulders you may say that it is cruel to sport with the feelings of any class of society that folly affords sufficient field for wit and satire to work upon without resorting to misfortune for matter of ridicule that female sensibility should ever be sacred from the lash of sarcasm etc but this is all stuff all cant if an author is too indolent or too stupid to see new sources for remark he is surely excusable in employing the ideas of others for his own use and benefit but i find i have digressed imperceptibly into the rights of authors so let us return to our subject an actor when he holds the mirror up to nature may by his manoeuvres twist and turn it so as to represent the object in any shape he pleases nay even give a caricature where the author intended a resemblance he may blur it with his breath or soil it with his dirty fingers so that the object may have a colouring from the glass in which it is viewed 
entirely different from its natural appearance to be plain my friend an actor has a right whenever he thinks his author not sufficiently explicit to assist him by his own wit and abilities and if by these means the character should become quite different from what was originally intended and in fact belong more to the actor than the author the actor deserves high credit for his ingenuity and even though his additions are quaint and fulsome yet his intention is highly praiseworthy and deserves ample encouragement only think my dear sir how many snug little domestic arrangements are destroyed by the officious interference of these ever dissatisfied critics the honest king of scotland who used to dress for market in the theatre at the same time and wear with his kilt and plaid his half boots and black breeches looking half king half cobbler has been obligated totally to dismiss the former from his royal service yet i am happy to find so obstinate is his attachment to old habits that all their efforts have not been sufficient to dislodge him from the stronghold he has in the latter they may force him from the boots but nothing shall drive him out of the breeches consider my friend the puerile nature of such remarks is it not derogating from the elevated character of a critic to take notice of clubbed wigs red coats black breeches and half boots fie fie upon it i blush for the critics of the day who consider it a matter of importance whether a highlander should appear in breeches and boots or an older heaton in the dress of a new york coxcomb trust me friend old style it is to the manner not the appearance of an actor we are to look and as long as he performs his part well to use the words of my friend stern it shall not be inquired whether he did it in a black coat or a red believe me friend old style few of our modern critics can show any substantial claim to the character they assume let me ask them one question have they ever been in europe have they ever seen a garrick a kimball or a sidens if they have not i can assure you upon the words of two or three of my friends the actors they have no right to the title of critics they may talk as much as they please about judgment and taste and feeling but this is all nonsense it has lately been determined at the theatre that any one who attempts to decide upon such ridiculous principles is an arrant goose and deserves to be roasted having this friend old style endeavoured in a feeble manner to show you a few of the rights of an actor and of his wrongs having mentioned his constant and disinterested endeavours to please the public and how much better he knows what will please them than they do themselves having also depicted the cruel and persecuting nature of a critic the continual restraint he lays on the harmless irregularity of the performer and the relentless manner in which he obliges him to attend sedulously to his professional duty through fear of censure let me entreat you to pause open your eyes to the precipice on which you are tottering and hearken to the earnest warning of your loving friend andrew quaz my friend quaz certainly writes with feeling every line evinces that acute sensibility for which he has ever been remarked i am however perfectly at a loss to conceive on what grounds he suspects me of a disposition to turn critic 
my remarks hitherto have rather been the result of immediate impression than of critical examination with my friend mr andrew quaz i begin to doubt the motives of our new york critics especially since i have in addition to these arguments the assurances of two or three doubtless disinterested actors and an editor who mr quaz tells me is remarkable for his candor and veracity that the critics are the most presumptuous arrogant malevolent illiberal ungentlemanlike malignant rancorous villainous ungrateful crippled invidious detracting fabricating personal dogmatical illegitimate tyrannical distorting spindle-shanked moppets designing villains and upstart ignorance there i say and many other equally high-polished appellations have awakened doubts in my mind respecting the sincerity and justice of the critics and lest my pen should unwittingly draw upon me the suspicion of having a hankering after criticism i now wipe it carefully lock it safely up and promise not to draw it forth again till some new department of folly calls for my attention jonathan oldstyle end of letter seven recording by james k white chula vista